Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So episode 7 of The Mandalorian starts off with Mandalorian and Baby Yoda in the cockpit of the Razor Crest, and Grief comes in over the intercom, or I guess over the hollow message, and essentially says, hey, let's uh, let's work together to get these imps out of my uh, out of my city so that I can get back to guild work. I'll clear your name, bring the bring the kid as some bait, and then let's uh, let's plot a way to kill the guy who initially wanted the baby. We'll all be good. Uh, just meet me on Navarro, and we'll have a security detail, and we'll all be great. Uh, Mando thinks this is probably going to be the right decision to do, but he's bringing his own security detail. So he goes to to Sorgan to collect Cara Dune, and then he goes to uh, Arvala Seven to collect Quill. Indeed, they they meet up with uh, with Grief Karga and his detail, and there's something of a cross journey trek. Of course, it's very hostile between them because they've got, as of recently. Uh, kind of a rocky past uh, between them, and there's certainly a lack of trust with Mandalorian, uh, with Mando in the the best of human circumstances, and this one in particular. Um, so there's some overnight camping. Um, uh, Grief Karga is is really fascinated by Baby Yoda, but also um, clearly doesn't doesn't uh, get him at all. Uh, there's an overnight attack with some dragons. Yeah. Um, and Grief Karga gets shot, but then he's force healed by Baby Yoda, and that kind of smooths over some of his lack of allegiance. I believe he's scratched by one of the dinosaurs. Right. Or okay. Right. Uh, but Baby Yoda essentially comes over. He heals, and it's, uh, it's clearly the first time force healing was filmed in Star Wars. Whether uh, I think it was released after the Rise of Skywalker seven and eight, though, hence the reason why they had to put the delay there. Um, oh. Okay. But uh, so Baby Yoda uh, essentially heals him. Uh, Grief Cargo realizes, oh shit, maybe this thing is not worth turning over to the Empire. Special. Uh, and so he decides to take out the guys who he brought in to take out the Mandalorian. Uh, he shoots them both, uh, tells Mandalorian what his plan was and that they're going to form a new plan. Uh, and that uh, essentially let's bring you in as some form of decoy as well. And then you can clear them out and then leave with your kid and everybody will be fine. And just need these people out of my area. And now as a to screwing you over um i I don't really care i'll let you win too uh and so they put on uh kind of a a decoy presentation they send quill back to the ship with baby yoda and uh kara grief and mando head into town with an empty crib cage right the plan is honestly a little bit shoddy they're gonna try and sell very shoddy they're gonna sell the empty uh carriage basically to the client uh, and just try and trick him into believing that baby yoda is asleep you can't open him up inside and so uh, until they get the point to kill well right and then they kind of have to pull the trigger uh without any uh preempt they don't because get to. no exactly i mean they get a call uh which is to say uh Werner herzog gets a call from uh his boss and his boss is like uh, i think they're tricking you buddy and then of course fire breaks out and uh, they managed to kill Werner Herzog, is that right? Moff Gideon, who is the main villain, comes in, who's clearly Werner Herzog was reporting to. Um, Moff Gideon's tired of Werner Herzog because he's been fooled again by the Mandalorian. And so he actually puts on the firing squad, telling to kill them all. Uh, he probably knows the Mandalorian's alive in there. But at this time, he had sent out scout troopers um, to go get collect Baby Yoda. Um, and uh, ultimately Quill dies in that point as the scout troopers scoop up Baby Yoda and bring him back to Moff Gideon. That's the final shot of the episode, and it's genuinely sad. It is. Um, Okay, so here's what I took away from Werner Herzog in this episode, having seen all of his episodes multiple times now. This character is kind of goofy. Yes. And I didn't see it that way the first time because... Obviously, there's such a prestige to Werner Herzog, who's a great actor, and he's like he's like a thespian, and it's nothing to do with his performance. The character is just written as weird, kind of a weirdo. Yep. Like I wrote down some of his dialogue. Now it starts out very wise. He says, "Look outside, the world is so different since revolution. Is the world so different since, since the revolution? revolution? Since the revolution, uh, I see nothing but death and chaos. I would like to see the baby, <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's where everything kind of gets weird and." Uh, I, I guess it's probably... Uh, uh, Would you like to have a drink to, like... No, no, no. Uh, can I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? That's which right. Which is a little too meta for me. I know. That was a ridiculous one. I didn't write that one down because it was just over the top, but... Well, and, and and when he says, I want to see the baby, they're like, he's asleep. He's like, well, we'll all be quiet. I thought that was funny, too. <laughs> it's just... It's very dumb. And then, of course, we get to see 
the real villain mm. who I'm not familiar with as an actor, but of course he's, he's well accustomed to oh. being a villain on television. He was one of the greatest villains in television history on Breaking Bad. Is Moff Gideon a Moff the same way Tarkin is? Yes. Okay. Uh, he was the, uh, Moff Tarkin was Grand Moff. Right. Uh, and so he was, uh, they created an additional ranking for him. Um, and yeah, but he would have, he would have been in charge of a system. Okay. Moff Gideon. So, so he also reports to somebody too. No, he's, he reported to the emperor. He reported to Tarkin mm. and the emperor. But we're post-emperor now. In exactly. This, in this storyline. He doesn't report to anyone. Oh, I see. So this section of the galaxy, he's the big fish. Gotcha. And so in this system, he, he's, the, he's the top ranking official. And that's the reason why the empire's still strong in this system, because he's still strong, but also kind of chaotic at the same time. So it's very clear uh, by his motivation that he wants Baby Yoda the same way everyone does. But does it yes. seem like he wants Baby Yoda in a way that no one else has before? Like he seems You have something that I want. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But he also, he goes on to say, um, you couldn't possibly understand why I want it this badly. Like, mm. and, and some of his sentences are cut off as we cut back and forth between good guys and bad guys. And it seems like they're withholding some information. There's something we don't know about either this particular baby Yoda or Yoda's in general, which, uh, which has to go beyond they're super strong with the force. Yes and no. I think... Um... I don't think it necessarily has to go beyond they're super strong with the Force, because, I mean, none of these characters even know what the Force is. Doesn't Moff Gideon probably know? Moff Gideon does, though. That's yeah. the point. Um, but the thing is, Moff Gideon also has the Darksaber, we find out in the next episode. Right. Uh, he very likely has a deep understanding of the Force. If he reported directly to the Emperor, then he certainly understands certain elements of it. And he could still be on an Emperor mission. He could still be doing the Emperor's work yeah. and trying to get the clone, trying to get DNA... Um, from Baby Yoda to be able to allow Palpatine uh, to have, I don't know, the, the tubes of whatever were sticking into his chair on right. Exegol. Not to uh, to blow next week's lead, but does Grief Karga make it out of the season alive? Yes. He does. So do we think he's mostly a legion to Mando now, or is yes. he going to, they're going to remain friends? Yeah, I think so. With a little bit of... Uh, Grief will always look out for himself. Carl Weathers is not acting. He doesn't act. He's not a great actor. He's kind of silly in it, too. But he's great. He's the perfect level of camp. I think the show in general has the perfect level of camp. I think I've seen that in this uh, reviewing more so than I did the first time I watched it. Mm. It's very serialized. Like, mm. and just in the way, I know we're all, like, charmed by the way Baby Yoda walks, but, like, sometimes it's kind of bad in a wonderful Star Warsy way. Uh, yeah, I guess, but he's just wearing that giant potato sack, so you don't really know what's going on underneath <laughs> there. Oh, by the way, when... Uh, when he flies the ship? I was going to say, when Cara Dune and Mando are having an arm wrestle, and he thinks that Mando's being attacked, so he starts to choke her. Yes, that's... And he's a... like, no, Cara's my friend. Yeah. It's just sweet in it's... a weirdly aggressive way. Well, also the concentrating that he's doing, like, hey, you're you're hurting my friend. Yeah. I'm going to... Ooh, he's just got this little <laughs> furrowed brow. Uh, but when he sticks his head down uh, to check, ooh, they're down there, I can go fly the ship now. Right. And, he sticks, and then he's just like, the joystick's as big as he is. Oh, It's so cute. They must have known what they were sitting on with Baby. Yoda. Yes, they absolutely had to have. Okay, so do you want to talk about force healing? Let's talk about force healing because sure. you, you mentioned in the recap that it's it's obviously they threw a lot of force healing at us all at once in mm. the in the final quarter of 2019, and now we're to understand that that's that that's a thing, even though it existed before. And such a dangerous thing. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask. What are the implications of introducing this? And frankly multiple instances in such a short time and leaving us to wonder exactly how prominent it is in the galaxy wherein we watch theater that is at risk of being neutered of its drama if we introduce immortality. Yeah. Is that a long way of phrasing a simple question? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's dangerous waters to tread in. I think it works extremely well with Kylo and Rey. Uh, especially seeing as they have the force dyad or whatever the force bond well, they're is. They're the greatest stakes there are. But yes, and it also works that specifically they would be able to transfer, transfer life force back and forth with one another. Sure. But if Ray can do it with this weird slug as well, it does put it in a position where, okay, Kylo brings Ray back from death from exhaustion. Ray prevents Kylo from dying from a stab wound to the stomach. And Baby Yoda can do it without any training or really any understanding well, none of his of, own powers. None of them have had training on it. 
Uh, Ray, no, but Ray maybe from the text. At least, at least Ray is trained in the Force to an extent. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And Baby it's, Yoda's it's, probably not. No, but I very much see it as because the Force is an instinct. Yes. So the Force is very much. Oh, I am compelled to do this because of my uh, ability to connect to the Force. The Force is telling me to do this. And so, if you're an animal, animals make decisions based on intuition that they've been trained to do. Right. Baby Yoda doesn't necessarily. He's not um, aware. In the same sense that other like sentient beings are, but he's operating on instinct the way an animal would. But his instincts are just insanely powerful. Humans don't operate on instinct the same way, and thus would maybe take a longer period of time to train and would not be able to uh, maybe discover the force within themselves as easily. So you're really not going all in on this baby Yoda, especially even for his species. You think he's normal for his species? Uh, yeah, I think he could be. Definitely. He is born the same year as Anakin Skywalker, though. So there is a whole lot of things you can go with. Oh, what an interesting perspective. I guess that's not new information, but I'd never heard it phrased that way. Born the same year as... Wow. Yeah. It's been around all the time. Yeah. And so there's other ways you can look at it in terms of what the Force... What is the Force doing? Yeah. Like, Anakin was created, but... Mm-hmm. Who knows? In a way, Anakin Skywalker was just a baby. But I mean, like Anakin Skywalker brings balance to the force. Right. But Anakin Skywalker is not the return of the Jedi or he is the return of the Jedi in my sense that that's like the title. And I love that. But in the sense that Luke was supposed to restart the Jedi order in that kind of way and fails. Okay. Well, as we found out, as we find out, yes, he fails. Um, Maybe the Jedi order, like maybe that it's, it's the, it's like the guiders, like I, People used to theorize that Yoda was a will. That was his species. Okay. Like the like the journal, like uh, Star Wars uh, from the Journal of the Wills. Um, so he just is the Force. He is no. He's he's a species that yeah. has an ability to connect with the Force more directly than anything else. And so I, I don't not know necessarily um, how, but like Yoda was the teacher. Mm-hmm. For all these generations and generations, maybe that is what this new baby Yoda, because they live so long, maybe that's what his destiny is. That Ray will not be the one who restarts the Jedi Order. This baby Yoda will. It is. It is going to be tricky for them to stick the landing on explaining to us exactly what baby Yoda is, because it seems like not enough for them to just say, "Oh, is he's called a he's called a, a blue blue and and he lives on planet black black." Like that that would be really disappointing. Yeah, but I I do believe that every single species, every single uh this is just I don't know why, but we've only seen 3 and they're all force sensitive. Yep. So my belief is that it is an extremely small species that there are a couple dozen of them. They that must would, live in hiding but to that's, an extent. My guess is it's a very small planet. They live in hiding. Uh, there's dozens of them, so not many at all, but they're all insanely powerful in the Force. Clearly. And I think that is what can distinguish them. And if every uh, member of their species is that powerful of the Force, then there's something to be learned about them. And so that explains why everybody's curious, because the ability to not only use the force but to use the force and to learn from the force become more powerful with the force over like 900 years who is the oldest force sensitive person in the star wars timeline if we go back to the very beginning of explored canon who is Uh, the person who has had the force since the earliest point okay longest continual or the earliest person to have the force that's what i want to know latter the earliest person to have the force yes um we uh, yoda okay Maz Kanata in terms of force sensitivity. Is she older than Yada? Yada? Uh, well, no, I guess, um, no. Uh, Darth Revan is canon. Um, he predates Yoda? There, There is, the answer, there's no answer. Okay. Because there have been enough canonized Old Republic characters that do not have any canon stories. So Darth Revan has been canonized as a Sith in the sense that they've released his lightsaber, uh, Disney recently did, and one of the Sith battalion, Sith... Uh, Sith trooper fleets, uh, each battalion was named after an ancient Old Republic Sith Lord. Okay. And so, like, those four Sith Lords that the battalions were named after, um, for example, they're now all canon, and they would be the oldest in the timeline because the Old Republic has to be a minimum of 1,000 years before, or else you've not only 
like because for a thousand generations um right. the jedi but like no it's got to be a minimum of a thousand years a thousand generations implies that it's like fifty thousand years almost or ten thousand years of course but we've gotten to the point now where the old republic people like in in eu i believe it was three to four thousand years was the general area that they 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 played around in okay i uh, only ask because it seems to me sensible that if we're going to go back as far as the origin the the genesis of the force whether religiously or practitionally or, or just or just um it's uh, natural chemistry within the body of the creature mm. it's reasonable to assume that that original creature was one of these yoda creatures and that's why they're so purified i love that i, I, I think i think that's a i think that's a, a phenomenal uh theory i think yeah. that makes a ton of sense uh even if you don't want to push it to the full extent of having them be a will if you have it as if like they're the genesis of like i guess beings having the force and that i guess it's all come from the teachings maybe that they put out and allowing other species to understand their connection to the force um and if you can yeah i think that's a really cool way of going about it i think that would make a lot of sense okay um what would we, i was just about to say something though that made a lot of fuck. well let's talk about the maybe it'll come back to you let's talk about the dragon because i think if i have any take back in this episode it's the dragon which is just a little too medieval for me I mean, I love a big yeah. creature that just comes out of nowhere and starts wrecking your shit in Star Wars, but it it looks so Game of Thronesy. It looks like a pterodactyl. Yeah, uh, but it it's enough like the. Um, oh my god, my brain is mush today. That's all right. You've been quarantined. I know. What the hell? The, the Minox uh, on in Empire Strikes Back inside the big Exegorth. Uh, okay. The like flappy bird things that oh yeah like, outside the Millennium Falcon yeah yeah, yeah. it kind of reminds me of the swooping nature of those sure but we and, get a bigger scope of it here oh yeah and they're much bigger and they're dangerous and the sky is red it, it's a it's a difficult episode to see at times there yes. are some dark parts agree and uh, in, in the entire series um, but this episode in particular although it's a, one of the Deborah Chow ones and it is a phenomenal phenomenal episode it's the penultimate episode yeah it's so excellent they've really built us up to a, an excellent season finale which we'll talk about anything major you want to talk about in this episode just story wise or tonally anything that stands out to you most no I remember what I was going to say though before was that it's almost universally um, believed and through the rumorverse that this what David Benioff and D.B. Weiss were doing was the first Jedi Okay, that would be... And so not Old Republic, the first Jedi. Like, really, like, really old. It's got to be a story they give us sometime. Oh, absolutely. I'm just... That was the one thing that popped in my head, just because I'm curious to know if they had that similar thought as well, or probably not. Well, I don't want to torture the metaphor, because I think I used this example on a recent episode of the podcast, but I think back to one of those final episodes of Lost, where Allison Janney's the mother of the island. Like, Ugh. that, like, Genesis story yeah. where this galaxy... She was crazy. In she that. was wild. That's such a good episode of TV. That's such a good... Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, if, if we can get some kind of scope of our galaxy when it was such a different place, and I don't just mean like uh, Old Republic different place. I mean like maybe nothing even lives here yet. That would be fascinating. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. And I think they're going to do a little bit of that with uh, this High Republic, even though it's like 200 years ago. Yeah. Um, but I think they can go with a little bit of planet discovery. And so it may not necessarily be nobody lives here, but it may be a planet that is on, I guess, uh, in the outer rim mm. that we know as being metropolitan and having lots of different races and species. But maybe we go there and it's like the Jedi are finding it when it's just the native species to the land. And it's just and this is them joining the Republic and it's interesting things like that but uh i think it's gonna be a little while before we start to see that and i think that might be why they're taking it step by step so that they don't have to do like oh fuck what was it like ten thousand years ago let's go back 200 and then 2000 and then we'll do twenty thousand years well and like it or not politics always has to play a role in the star wars story you're telling oh yes in some way we have to know what the political status of the galaxy is right now even if the status is that there almost isn't one at all you need to be able to incorporate that into the story and so maybe we do a star wars that's anarchy you know that's kind of cool yeah i mean to be honest under the empire everything was the wild west as well and you just take out... But the, there was a law. Yep. Yep. But you take out that framework that everything everybody has to operate behind. It's 
It's kind of like an unshackled version of Tatooine for the rest of the galaxy, you would right. almost imagine. Actually, Malcolm Gladwell has this really interesting theory in one of his books about what a Western is by definition. Oh, yeah. And a Western is, in, in storytelling, a Western is a story where there is a law, but the law is not necessarily right. And so any story that has that is, is a Western. And so certainly the original Star Wars uh, trilogy, oh, yeah, trilogy fits that perfectly. Maybe not so much the prequel trilogy. It grows to become a Western, and then it's the story that we know. And so uh, he has them all, he has all directions mm, right. on a compass aligned for a different form of storytelling. And so like North is is actually like a uh, an idealized, uh, almost topic kind of story where a law is correct, or maybe you don't even need a law in a Northern story. Or Anyway, uh, read about Malcolm Gladwell's idea about how to tell a story, and you'll start with Western, and you can learn more oh, very from there. Very cool. It's really interesting. Cool. Any quotes? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I already read my favorite ones, which are not necessarily... My favorite one of the episode, and it's not a good line, but it is hilarious. He's trying to eat me? Well, no, that is one of mine. Uh, that, that, <laughs> I have that... My two uh, episode potentials are either I'm in or he's trying to eat me. One he's of, trying to eat me is funny. Okay, like, that works. Um, but Grief's line at the very start is... You might be surprised to hear this, but I am alive too. It's <laughs> so corny. It's such a corny no, delivery. No, you're, you're here telling me about the circumstance. I'm not surprised. Nope, there you are. Droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. That is actually the best line of the episode. That really, is really fanta- good. That cool. Um, another one from Grief. For a man of honor should not be forced to live in exile. It's a good oh, one. Right. It's, that's really nice. I like that. Uh, do not cast doubt upon that of what I am, nor whom I shall serve. Mm, I that, love Kuil. He that's talks merged, so wonderfully. That's merged with the other one of his lines. Yeah, probably. Uh, oh, and, and this was just, it's kind of a longer uh, line spoken by Mando. One of his longer lines, but this is where he's struggling to accept that this droid has kind of been rehabilitated. Yes, and we didn't mention that in the summary, but that... And by the way, one of my favorite moments is we're getting this smash the flashback. Cut. Yeah, it's like a smash of like all this like relearning. What's the droid's name? IG-11. IG-11 is like relearning how mm. who to serve. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually very, very pure and lovely. Uh, Mando says in his suspicion, that droid was designed to kill things. I don't care how much wiring he replaced. It goes against, it goes against its nature. And I do want to scrutinize that a little bit because it is splitting hairs to talk about the nature of a droid, which is inherently not natural at all. You know, like it might have original programming, but to say it has nature is kind of goofy. Yeah, I think that's... I don't think that's anything wrong. I think that's showing that the Mandalorian is putting too much stock into personifying them. For sure, which he, is true. Because and they're the evil that he grew up with. It, that's understandable. It's good development, and it's nice that they come to be mm. sort of friends by the end of the season. And the only other line I wrote down, which I actually think is excellent, is uh, they're all ex-empire. They're all ex-empire. As soon as they lose their paycheck, they'll scatter. Like rats. Mm. The, way like she, the way she says it is great, too. Yeah. Because she's got such a smirk on her face. Another one from Quill. I bought my freedom through the skill of my hands and the labor of three of your human lifetimes. <laughs> he talks awesome. Oh, I know. He's such a badass. Yeah. Um, another couple from Kara. Uh, come back soon after she wins her little tug of war um, when Mando runs runs into her. And th- right. That thing is cool where they've got like the electro uh, rope attaching them to each other. They're joined. It's kind of similar to the beam that they're, we see between pods in a pod race. Yeah, they're tethered together in this kind of fight. Um, but she also... Uh, I've been a lot of things since. Most of them carry a life sentence. That's right. Um I'm already free of worry, and I'm not in the mood to play soldier anymore. Oh, that's cool. That's a good line as well. And now they really become this this band of misfits that are apparently going to travel together for at least a little while. Yeah. Uh, trivia? You want to do some trivia? Sure. I did not have much at No, all. me neither. I have three, and they're all splitting hair ones. How many associates does Grief tell Mando the client will have? Four. Is, no more than four. No more than four. That's right. When Kara calls for the crowd to pay up after she wins her fight, what mean term, a la nerf herder, does she call them? Oh, I don't know. I don't recall. Mud scuffers. That doesn't even ring a bell. It didn't stand out to me. No, it stood out to me. It just sounded a little bit like motherfuckers. Um, Yeah, it does. Also, it kind of sounds poopy. Yep. I think it sounds poopy. Uh, Jedi, (laughs) question. Um, Where does Kuel say that Cara Dune appears to be from? Oh, yeah. Um, something caves. I won't guess what the first word is. Specifically farmed. He says it looks like she was farmed yes. in the Saito caves of Nora. Yes. Well, he's referring to like, 
um, trained. Well, okay, I'll give you my um, my next question because okay. it's in it's from the same sentence. Okay. Um, what does Din tell Kuil he thinks Baby Yoda comes from? I don't know. A strand cast. Okay, what's a strand cast? That would mean he's just a test tube created from DNA strands. Okay. So that's the implication by basically saying Kuil is like, no, he's natural. He's too ugly. Um, but <laughs> pointing to Kara and saying she looks like she was far, basically saying she's beautiful. Oh, I see. It was, a, it was just a nice little compliment, I thought. Oh, I didn't read it that way at all. And I'm sure you're right because you know better than I do. I could be wrong. To they also seem kind of butting heads after that. Well, it didn't seem to me like a comment on her looks. It seemed to me like this one's a badass. She was trained by Raj al Ghul. That's what it felt like to me. Oh, I saw it as more of a... Of a, I, I didn't see it that way. Okay. No, I, I, I could be totally wrong, though. All right, master question. What is special about Moff Gideon's ship? What's special you about just it? Just tell me about I it. I mean, it's a badass TIE fighter. Specifically, uh, it's called an Outland TIE fighter. Oh, and because of the way the wings fold down? Right. It, it's, yeah. It's larger than a TIE fighter and the wings fold down. Yeah, and it's also got an elevator um, so that you don't have to climb up. It's sick. It it's is like, the most, it is such a badass. TIE, TIE fighters have always been my favorite line of ships. They're really cool, but of course, and we've talked about how they're like fruit flies, yep. like they're expendable. This one's not. This is legit. It just happens to kind of look like a TIE fighter. Well, that's the thing. It's that the TIEs had a big family, like Thrawn wanted the TIE defenders to become, like he wanted Death Star funding to be pulled for the TIE defender project, which were essentially TIE fighters with uh, extra shields and uh, hyperdrives. So they huh. could travel at light speed and they weren't just like picked off by a single blaster for like they were durable and they essentially would have won the empire of the war probably <laughs> um but they're like vader's got his tie advanced kylo's got something that's a tie uh silencer maybe is what his red one is in rise of skywalker okay. but they're all like just so fucking cool and they kylo's all, is cool too it's kylo's like, is big spears it's almost like a cross between a mm -hmm. tie fighter and an x-wing fighter like it has funny Ooh. wings that kind of yeah well, they're more aerodynamic looking yeah it's um yeah, I don't know. There's big, they're just big triangles. Sure. Yeah. It yeah. does look very cool. Master question for me. Um, when Grief meets Baby Yoda, what nickname, a la Nerf Herder, does he call it? <laughs> I don't know. A little Bogwing. That doesn't ring a bell either. That's kind of cute, though. It is cute. That's not even he was an, He was endeared by it. He is a Bogwing. He is a little Bogwing. I think it's great. Anything else about this episode you wanted to point out? Anything that really um, stuck with you? Anything that was bad? Uh, I had a couple bad things. Uh, the speeder bikes being able to catch up to Kuil and finding him, Some knowing little... exactly where they were. And like, the fact that Kuil was like five feet away from the ship and couldn't make it. The timing on that is just... So we're going to see those two uh, stormtroopers in the next episode. And actually, they made something of a splash. And we'll talk yes. about that then. But of course, they're... Uh, they're portrayed by famous comic actors, one of which is actually the stormtrooper in this episode as well. It's Adam Pally yeah. from, from comedy. Yeah. And uh, he offers 20, 20 credits for the, the Mando helmet. That's right. Uh, to grief. And he's like, no, that's going on my wall. Um, but what also, does that mean, by the way? What's going on my wall? Like he's my prisoner? Yeah, he's my prize. Oh, okay. Um, because, I mean, if he's a prisoner, they're going to strip him for parts. Right. Uh, and so under those circumstances, that's why the uh the scout trooper was like well i'll take the helmet but for 20 credits fuck no okay that thing is beskar and it's like that thing would go for more than he makes yeah it's like when you're trying two to speeders you're and, trying to sell an iphone on kijiji and someone's like i'll give you a 20 dollar dairy queen gift card for it yeah essentially it's that's a, like... that's the the <laughs> shitty offer from the scout trooper yeah. but they're stormtroopers not supposed to be smart that's right that's right uh, the only other things I have is the is that Warner Herzog would be nice to have him live a little longer to get him again. I don't think that guy wants to commit to a bunch of Star no, Wars. No, 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 no. He definitely doesn't. And we'll talk about Moff, um, Giancarlo Esposito in a second, Moff Gideon. Uh, he is the exact opposite of that. He is all in on this show. He loves it. That's good. Yeah, it seems like they're, they're wanting to invest in him as a long-term Star Wars villain. Yeah, I think that's the right... I think that's definitely the right call to do. They're, they're similarly making him take a similar role to what Thrawn was in old canon in, in legends okay in terms of being the one who took who took up the empire mantle after the fall of the emperor well and just in general they want to have some characters that are going to live with us for a long time because they've already killed Kuil yep. they've killed IG-11 again yep and I don't know that we're going to see Grief Karga in this thing forever either uh, I don't think forever but I definitely think him and Cara Dune and Mando will be in the next season and won't 
and we'll all make it through next season. Maybe so. Well, I hope we got Esposito in there for a long time. Yeah, and I think he will too as well for that matter. Okay. Uh, the Death Troopers, I'd say, is the only other thing. The lineup oh. of Death Troopers is so badass. I love them. They have this like kind of off black colored armor. Mm -hmm. It's this pewter gray. I love them. Oh, so to Rogue One using those and they're like six foot four. It's it's awesome. Yeah, it's this amazing firing squad. It's very menacing. All right, well, that's uh, the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian. We'll finish recapping this entire season uh, next week. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the news. Sure. Uh, let's get right into Mandalorian news. Uh, season two just wrapped. Oh, wow. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God, because everything's shutting down. Yep. Yeah. So that one we will probably still get in 2020. And that will be one of the few media productions with uh, COVID-19 going around that won't be... Uh, that's really good because like a, a lot of network, show, network shows are going to miss their season next year. This is going to have long-term ramifications. And oh, yeah. streaming's different because they're on their own schedules. But like Netflix shut down production. Disney Plus doesn't have a lot of shows in production. Uh, obviously, the Obi-Wan show was already on pause. Mm -hmm. Same with Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, <laughs> but the Cassian show was supposed to start in, I believe, June or July. So that's not great. It's not going to happen. No. No, that'll definitely get delayed. And that's, okay, that's well, the kind of show done. that really can't get delayed, I don't think. True. I mean, I guess we're we're gonna be here. We'll watch it when it comes along. Whenever it's no, ready. No, I just I don't want it to get axed. No, I hear you. If it, if it gets delayed and you have to reorganize priorities, it's the kind of show that I could see getting axed. I guess also with the Marvel TV shows, they're probably done because they've had promotional stuff out already. Like Wandavision's no, good. Wandavision is. Yeah. The, the other two aren't. I don't think. Really. Yeah. So Wandavision is good. Um, I'm almost like 100 percent sure Falcon and Winter Soldier is. Like, they had to shut down. That sucks, but that's safe. People yeah. are oh, yeah. really psyched for that. Yep. Uh, but WandaVision, I think people are psyched about that one, too. So. Yeah, me too. Uh, anyway, uh, Mando, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, he, uh, he talking about the Darksaber again and just about Mando Season 2. Uh, I am. I really am. I want to say I've destroyed quite a few of them, and the prop guys go, wow, you guys go all in. <laughs> Uh, this season's going to be really great. This is the ultimate space western that's so connected to things that we don't know and don't see. Originally, George Lucas had a mentor and friend in Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell was all about the power of myth and journey of the hero. Isn't every one of our journeys the journey of the hero? We have our own hurdles to jump over and our own visions in our head and what we want to hit. And I was thinking the other day about all the things in my life that I haven't done. And I'll be disappointed at the end of my life if I haven't done them. Uh, and what's the flip side of that? I've done so many of my visions and dreams that I've wanted to do. And if I miss a couple on the bucket list, I'm not going to be upset about that. Uh, but a lot of people haven't checked off one or two or three of these things. Mandalorian series is so steeped in myth that the hero's journey to overcome anything to be in service. I'm in love with this show. I really do. It's a visionary in so many ways, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. That's wonderful. Yeah, so he's just talking. He's basically saying it's one of the greatest experiences of his life. He's kind of. so psyched. That's nice. We love a good attitude. Yeah, love a good attitude. And uh, man, he is... I mean, we don't see a ton of him in these two episodes, but he's phenomenal. And I've... He's been phenomenal in everything, so I'm just so excited for the menacing nature and also to see him in some action. I'm curious to know who's going to fight with that damn lightsaber. He also just has a way of talking that's kind of a breath of fresh air when we spend a lot of time with Grief Karga, who's like kind of putting on this weird like theater voice, this mm. weird like stage voice. He's like Mando, and then oh yeah, and then uh, Moff Gideon comes out of nowhere, and he's like, "You have something I want." Like yeah. he talks like an American, and it actually, and I'm like, it doesn't matter what your accent is, except for that, like he has a laziness to his drawl that I'm psyched about. Yeah, it works. It, yeah, it's it's like I'm done with your shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah like get out, get out of here. Like, right, I'm waiting till sundown, and then you're gonna die. Right, <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, I'm it's, sold. It's great. A uh, few other things from that. Uh, not a ton going on, but a couple things to say. Uh, the uh, in I guess well on the subject of COVID nineteen, I think the biggest Star Wars news is that Rise of Skywalker is released digitally early. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that one. Sure. Uh, that's definitely a convenience and will allow us to have a, a smaller lull in our in our. Well, we may not even need to have one at all. Right. And be able to kick into the Rise of Skywalker on this. But no, it's good. There's the opportunity for people to watch at home. Uh, the DVD though, when it comes out, I mean. There's a documentary on it that I want to see. Uh, it's a couple hours, but there's no deleted scenes. It's incredible. Like, apparently, and I'm not surprised, it's very, very surface level, everything that's a bonus and extra. And so yeah, that's... The movie gets stripped down. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's and that's obviously disappointing. I'm really curious to know the other features that should be included on the the Blu-ray, the all the other behind-the-scenes snippets that we would love to hear about. Eventually, we'll hear about more over time, but uh, not things that they would want to include with the original. I mean, DVD it's always going to be something of a movie that could have been. Yep. 
Uh, and uh, I mean, we can talk about that in the weeks to come. Well, I mean, with that said, they've also released the novel. And so that's... Oh, it's out. Yeah, it's been blowing up the internet because people have been just like taking snippets of it and building stupid um, articles about them and people lose their shit because they're not seeing anything in context. Uh, but the book came out yesterday, uh, the 17th. And so uh, I'm going to read or I'll audible that. And so that, then I'll be able to experience The Rise of Skywalker as if it was nine and a half hours. Mm. Uh, and so that will give me, I'm sure it's a lot better. I'm sure it's a lot better. Yeah, I'm curious uh, about that And then that there too. are some things, though, that uh, definitely seem weird interpretations from the movie that just seem wrong or are like interpreting things in ways like, well, you shouldn't interpret that. Leave that kind of open to interpretation. So there's some things like that that I'm a little curious about, but I'm obviously going to reserve judgment. I'm really excited to, to listen to it because um, it's clearly written off of it. There always are. Uh, Revenge of the Sith was written off of George Lucas's initial, like, six-hour script, and this one is probably, well, not probably, it's definitely written from J.J.'s, like, three- or four-hour script or whatever he had. Yeah, but you have to imagine that the mouse got involved a little bit with, because he did with everything related to this movie. True, but there are things that would have been changed, though. What I mean is, like, that's why the book had to come out three months later, because they had to change the things to make sure nothing contradicted the end-up movie. Um, but, for example, the Oracle was a rumored character to be in the uh, to be in far before. He was supposed to be this giant spider-like wise creature who talks to Kylo, hmm. um, and he's supposed to essentially, he lives off of, like, this giant this giant who lives in the ocean and so he's he rises up out of the water and he's sucking the the life out of this giant and he's this old wise spider and he gives kylo advice and tells him um where to find exical oh okay Um, and so as opposed to it um like just flashing there well no they did the um the wayfinder and i think i i feel there's there's i forget exactly how it's done but the oracle that scene is in the book, I know, for example. Okay. So we will now see like what that is from. And apparently, the puppet was built, and he dwarfed Jabba the Hutt. Ooh. It was the biggest puppet. They, seven people, I think they said, had to, to man the puppet. Why did they build the puppet? It must have cost them $100,000 to make this puppet that didn't get used, if not more. Well, they also showed... Uh, there's some really cool behind-the-scenes shots of Richard E. Grant and Dom Hall Gleason. I've seen those. Laughing on Mustafar. Yeah. They're not in it. No. Uh, but there's also a, a really good line of them off to the side watching things. And I saw just a little snippet from the novel about Pride saying, like, it's almost beautiful the way Kylo Ren is just slaughtering and, like, going through the people and the way his movements are. And Dom Hall Greason, uh, Dom Hall uh, Hux, essentially, yeah. uh, says, um, what do you mean the supreme leader chases a ghost while burns a rebellion or, like, well, rebellion burns across the galaxy? Chases a ghost is a cool image. It's a good line. Yeah, that's really good. It's really kind of a shame we didn't have more of Pride through the rest of that trilogy. Like, mm. they kind of just kind of wedged him in there at the end. He could have been lurking in the shadows for episode, at least episode eight. Yeah, and I, you are okay with it. I hated Hux uh, in The Rise of Skywalker. I thought they did him dirty. Um, I liked him. Uh, just because it was so lame that way. Um they always did him dirty. Yeah, but The Force Awakens, like, he's he's just so much more prominent. And I know they made him silly in The Last Jedi, but at the same time, well, look, he I mean, is we, mocking Kylo at the end of The Last Jedi. We could have this conversation all day. The Force Awakens is clearly the best movie in that trilogy. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, by a, a good margin. By a landslide, yes. Yeah. Uh, but that's interesting. Uh, there's also been some, uh, the comics have come out. Now, recently, Vader meets Padme. Uh, in one of the comics and so uh, he finds Padme and she's still alive and people are like what the fuck that doesn't make any sense in the first couple panels of this next issue though it does reveal Vader says I see it now Padme's dead but you have her face you're the queen's shadow who is it's Sabe it's Kira Knightley's character oh and so the queen's shadow novel has uh, an epilogue where uh, Kira Knightley, who plays the, the decoy, uh, does go off and join the rebellion. Yeah, uh, and so this is her encountering Vader on a mission, and them like, so she had gone on. She's looking for secrets of Padme's death. So is Vader, and then they kind of meet each other, and she, he's like, "What? What the fuck? <laughs> who are you? Oh, I remember who you are." What now. if there was a missed opportunity in the the Queen Amidala has decoys storyline that was. So such a big deal in the Phantom Menace, and then it's just kind of like, oh, whatever. Like she has handmaidens and bodyguards for the rest of the trilogy. Like, where, where, the- whereas that trilogy overall 
is about clones. Like if they had they had this thing where where Padme was already cloned in the Phantom Menace, and you're like, how is that possible? And then they explore what the Clone Wars really are. That would be so cool. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, that would have been an interesting take. Would have done things very very differently then though, and then it would have been like anakin fall well and palpatine wasn't running the show in the phantom menace yeah well i mean yeah that's right he was was just gearing up to run the show right uh but in particular the um the decoys no the there there is a the start of attack of the clones is is a successful assassination attempt that's right uh on a decoy yeah um wouldn't it be so much more gratifying if it was natalie portman and it just wasn't padme I don't know. I think it was pretty gratifying having Kira Knightley trick everybody in the theater. That was Rose Byrne. No, and... Rose Byrne is in uh, Attack of the Clones. That's what you said. No, I mean, sorry, Kira Knightley uh, tricking in Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because that, like, that's when the makeup was done. None of us knew that that wasn't Natalie Portman under the makeup. No, no. Where, whereas the other decoys. They all look like different people, but at that specific point in time, with the makeup on, they were identical-looking people. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. I thought that was done so and well. And by the way, different in age by like six years. 12 and, eight, uh, 12 and 16, she was I think. 12. She does not look 12 in that yeah. movie. No, I know. There was a, But sh- that's also why she wasn't able to be the decoy in the next movie, was because she was 12, and she's, I don't know, six inches taller than Natalie Portman and had a growth spurt. Oh, is she that much taller? Yeah. And so she was 12 to 13 and actually grew up, I guess, in that time period. And then she couldn't use her anymore. She's only 18 when she makes Love Actually and she plays a married woman. So she's, I think, 18 or 17 in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, but at least her character is that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's appropriate for the time period. Right. Uh, Other comic books, uh, the the rise of Kylo Ren or the fall of Ben Solo, uh, or the loss of Ben Solo in this one in particular. Uh, This is a a good line as he's... um, He's kind of really falling into it, and he's about to kill uh, one of his Jedi's uh, uh, former, I guess, friends or pupils. He says, choice? I have no choice and never do. Even my name isn't a choice. The dark side and the light side claimed me as their own the moment I was born. Do you even know how that feels? Uh, yeah, that's everyone has that. <laughs> Everyone's been claimed by their name and their destiny. I don't know, but in the same way that it's like, he was claimed from like immediately by like by the dark side too. I see that as a Palpatine, because uh, then in the next panel they show uh, a big slew of him murdering the leader of the Knights of Ren, Leia, uh, kind of like aghast, uh, Snoke and Palpatine laughing, uh, Ray looking at Uncar Plot and saying, "Do you feel cold?" Mm. Um, and then like just like but like essentially like the moment where he turns to the dark side and just like the the ripple effect uh, across all the people within his life and it's just his hatred towards it all but the expectations is the big thing for him that's where it all comes from his just yeah but there's a million stories about like about the complex you have because of the pressures that you've been born into yeah some of us were born left-handed yeah but you also have to keep in mind if you're born and you're told from birth you are the most you're destined to be the most powerful person in the galaxy and also the best person in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And then you're also told from birth, you're destined to be the most powerful person in the galaxy and you're also destined to be the most dangerous, murderous person in the galaxy and don't trust anyone. Right. And then the person who says you're going to be the best person in the galaxy and the most powerful and I'm going to help you get there. Stands over his bed at night threatening to kill him, just like he's been told his entire life. Right. But but what I'm saying is, and I'm not saying that's not hard. No, but I'm saying that's literally every royal family in the history of mankind. Like, like everyone who is ever born to be king was told, you're going to be the most powerful, you're going to be the best, and I'm going to help you get there. And that person was skeevy. It's yeah. happened a million times before. Yeah. Well, I mean, those were all giant rulers, and that's why Ky- and those people were power hungry. Right. Ultimately, what is Kylo? Power, Power hungry. hungry. Exactly. And so and, it, and fucked up, like these people end up being. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it was also the fact that specifically being told, oh, the light, you think the light's good? Every, like, they're saying you're going to be perfect and powerful. We're saying you're going to be completely imperfect, and that's going to be perfect because it'll make it even you even more powerful. And then that, the light faltering, that's what kind of shuts Kylo down. And so that's one thing that a lot of people I don't think appreciate it people nobody likes the turn of anakin or kylo i feel like and i like them both i'm satisfied with both of them me too 
Yeah. And just the way that the dark side is diseasing and corrupting, it just works. What else you got? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, I did read some synopsis and interview with uh, Justina Ireland uh, for A Test of Courage, which is a book of hers in the, the High Republic era. And it gets me just a little worried. Uh, it, just, I'm, it just it doesn't seem, I don't know, just her word choice, opinions, takes. Uh, so she's an authority in the, storytelling for Star Wars and you don't agree she, with her? Well, she, she's an author now for one, a new novel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, a, I'm just a little worried uh, as to whether or not it's going the right direction or like the art seems off and the i don't know the desire for for new i mean yes new is good but where do you like don't stray from what is star wars and so i just i don't know i'm just a little bit worried and i just i hope the high republic uh but what is the, what is the high republic how is that going to be beyond novels how is that going to be uh distilled within us is that the, the new movies are going to be about the High Republic? Well, or? it's going to be a new era. The yeah. odds, it's it's a, the goal is incubation. And so if the High Republic, like, they're essentially tr- giving a trial run on this era to yeah. see if it's appropriate for films and video. And they'll probably be doing this for everything. Okay. Um, like trying to establish eras in one way or another so that you're able to, like whether they do Old Republic next and then back it up with, with books or do books first and then follow it up with film. But um, I don't know. It, it just like in terms of the era, if this is what they're going to be devoting a lot of their resources to for a while. And so if their storytelling is off, you don't want it to change what the galaxy far, far away is. But I think this is the risk in being yep. as immersed as you are and as opinionated as you are in star Wars, you stay long enough with it. You, you can grow cynical or frustrated with, with a, uh, how things have changed from the good old days, no matter when you jumped in. True, um, but just things like the Nile, these space pirates, these marauders um, being bad. Like, we don't know what this big event is that triggers all of the main storylines. Like, I think that has potential to be phenomenally fascinating because if there's this one giant event that triggers a bunch of storylines, I don't know what that could be, but if it's anything like this one giant event that's impacting everybody in the world that has to make them change the way that they go about their business, I think that that's a very relevant thing and it's a very mm. appropriate thing to have in Star Wars. So I'm j- I have no idea and I'm not going to jump the gun. Just make it just as opposed to a lot of the other dialogue I've read about it, it makes me excited. This was like, oh, I, I just, uh, just just stop talking. Stop right. talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Project Maverick, uh, which is a smaller, more unusual video game, is in production. It was spotted on the PSN store. It's really all that's known about that. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, other than that, the only uh, piece of information that I have left is uh, uh, the passing of Max von Sydow. Oh, that's right, uh, yeah. Who passed away at 90 years old, uh, which is a pretty damn good life, but uh, still sad nonetheless. And I feel a little alone in feeling unfulfilled by Max von Sydow in the sequel trilogy. Oh, I want to see more from the character. I do. Yeah. I really do. All right. Happy birthday, uh, Monday, the 16th of March to Alan Tudyk, uh, who we get at least one more time in Star Wars, uh, mm. at least for this podcast. Um, Tuesday, the 17th, John Boyega. Happy birthday to Finn. And happy birthday next Monday, the 23rd, to Carrie Russell. So specifically a post-acquisition birthday week for oh, look at that. for Disney Star Wars. Uh, for Gotta Cast One, speaking of Disney, uh, with so many people self-isolating uh, and, and planting their kids in front of Disney+, Plus, there's another movie they released early, and that movie is Frozen 2. So if you got to cast one in Star Wars, is it going to be Kristen Bell or Josh Gad? Interesting. I didn't want to say Adina Menzel because that's too easy. Yeah, because she's yeah no she just she sticks in easier than Kristen Bell. She does stick in easier, but also she's not necessarily an actress first. Has she done anything that didn't require her to sing? She was in Uncut Gems. Oh, was she? Yeah, she's a good dramatic actress. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, that's good then. Um, you're right. She would stick. She would stick in easier. Yeah. Uh, Josh Gad, um, would be a great alien droid. He seems so easy as a as an alien or whatever. Like I kind of wonder if Kristen if Bell can play a character. I also think Kristen Bell could be an alien or a droid too, as well. I like her better as a droid. Yeah, I think Kristen Bell as a bit of a. I think Josh Gad might be just a little too slapsticky. I think Kristen Bell can pull off the sarcasm and wit, similar to a Zero in the last episode of Mandalorian, or like K two S O, a droid with. Um, I think with, it's with some sass, but nothing like L three. 
No. I think it's more interesting for her to do that than for Josh Gad to play a droid yeah. or a, an alien. Because then essentially he's just playing Olaf, speaking of Frozen. Yeah. What about um, uh, a protocol droid that's had some wiring redone? Okay. So like a female 3PO. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's that's Kristen Bell. Okay. I'm into it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, though, because you brought up Disney and this is because the world's in chaos and this could be totally totally a ridiculous rumor that does not end up happening but financially it could and would be the biggest acquisition ever but there is rumor out there that apple might buy disney apple might buy disney how's that even possible how can they afford disney i mean i know they're the most valuable company in the world but like that's how um okay but when you think about whoa of the like it would be insane it sounds impossible it just sounds so crazy it does but the consolidation it definitely works they don't have any overlap in any area in fact they have some they own some stuff together already and the pixar connection that's what i mean yeah, yeah. i don't know if they i don't know if apple owns anything in pixar left i'm sure they have some cross stocks uh steve Jobs' name is in the credits of toy story like the opening credits oh really yeah he's like his name is on the cloud oh, wallpaper yeah, oh sorry you mean um the original toy story yep yeah yeah you know at that specific point yeah no at, at one point in time um steve jobs was all in with pixar yeah 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 no but um specifically that was well before disney bought pixar sure of course well that's um, but think about, oh what disney just bought and disney has lost i think 30 percent of their stock value since the start of the year well that might be how well except for that now apparently half of all american households with children have a disney plus subscription like for sure for now covid19 is helping disney plus definitely um but all the other like apparently they it was quoted three days ago at 17 billion dollars minimum in losses for the uh, entertainment industry the hollywood but well sure i mean the, the entertainment gonna... industry is taking a bath but so is the market in general yep this could also be a good way for Apple to bail themselves out on Apple TV Plus, which is kind of a misfire. Oh, yeah. They know that that's a misfire. Yeah. And this would be an opportunity for the, all the investments to be done there just to be pushed over with Disney Plus. Merge the but two. they would also own Hulu as well. And so then they could expand Hulu. Hulu would probably be rebranded into Apple TV Plus. Um, Do you know how long it would take to move all that friggin' IP over? It would take forever for them to just like to complete that deal. It would take a while. Uh, the Fox one took about a year, so yeah, at least a year. Yeah, so it would take publicly. It took a year. Yeah, it would take quite a while for sure. Yeah, um, but Fox also has different divisions that I don't that weren't purchased. That's right. And so I think there's potential because it would be. Oh wait, wait a second. Are you talking about like Apple would own Disney World? Oh, maybe. Jesus. Yeah, I guess probably they would own Disney World. Holy Toledo! Now. This could totally not happen, and the market could allow it to not happen, and that'd be. You can't make any predictions right now. But that's the thing: the the state of the world, and this being something that's out there, it, it it's not outside the realm mm. at, at this particular point in time by any means. Well, that's an interesting note to leave on. I know. I figured. <laughs> okay. Send along your thoughts at Recorder66 on Twitter, Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Uh, next week, we're going to watch the final episode of season one of The Mandalorian. So check that out. And we're going to chat about it then before we dive into a full season discussing Rise of Skywalker. Because we haven't done that enough. Oh, I know. And until we're together again, may the force be with you. Oh,